Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. In honor of Columbus Day, this week's podcast is two 15 minute episodes of A Float with Henry Morgan. Okay, so he wasn't an explorer, but he was a sailor. It's an Australian production and it first aired in the 1950s. More information after the episode. Afloat with Henry Morgan. Dolores has deceived everyone. No one has the slightest suspicion that she is not Antoinette de Lacy, kinswoman of the governor of Jamaica, Sir Thomas Mockford. She also has seen the fabulous Aztec necklace. Kitty discovers that she is really in love with Geoffrey Hunter. She goes to the flying gull the next evening to tell him. Geoffrey, who is lonely, listens to her and accepts the comfort she brings. The next evening at the Dolphin Tavern, Kitty, who bears the marks of a whipping given to her for leaving the tavern the previous evening, tells Dietz that she no longer loves him. Dietz threatens to steal the Aztec necklet and from the proceeds, through selling it, buy Kitty for himself. No, that you couldn't do. I can and I will. You're a bondwoman, a slave sent out from England to be bought in the marketplace if necessary. Anyone who has the price can buy you. I'll not come to you, do you hear me? You will have no choice, because no matter what price for like Jobson wants for you, I'll be able to get it for the next. I wouldn't come. You will have no choice. By law, you will be mine. And that is what I would do rather than have your God of this Englishman. And when you are mine, let me warn you that should any other man try to steal you, it is within my right to kill him because he is trying to steal my property. I can't help it if I have no feelings for you. I tried to be loyal to you, but you knew I was not even successful at doing that, and, and now I have no feelings for you at all. You thought to make a fool out of me, to make of me the laughingstock of Port Royal. You not think the others will chuckle in their beards when they know you are throwing me aside for this pasty-faced Englishman? You must think I'm a fool if you think I'll allow you to cast me aside like this. I'm going to keep you by possession, if necessary. But I'll come to hate you. Then do not force me to do this thing. Come, let me show you how to forget this Englishman. No, I don't want you to touch me. Oh, this is such foolishness. You will let me make you forget him, eh? My wrist. My wrist. Look up into my face. You hear me? Look up. No, I will not. Leave go of me, you swine. You've no right to lay your hands on me. Help! Help! You in the cabin! Help! Like a hot knife cutting through ice, Kitty's scream flashes to the furthermost corners of the smoke-laden tavern. It tops the babble, the oaths and coarse voices. It seems to hang suspended, cutting off all sound, and the tavern for a moment is still unearthly quiet. Brawls and fights are no uncommon occurrences in the Dolphin Tavern. Men's voices have frequently been raised in anger and sometimes in pain. Yet never before have the low rafters flung back the scream of a woman. There is only one voice from which that scream could come, Kitty, the friend of all those from every corner of the Caribbean. Like a surge of an angry rising tide, the men leave their drinks, their tables and their companions and jostle to the alcove whence came the sound. Get away out of you. Leave this to me. Angrily, Dietz turns towards the sullen, brutal faces of the mob. Kitty, knowing the uncertainty of their tempers, their love of a fight to the kill, prays to her patron saint that no harm will follow her foolish appeal for help. The tempers become frayed as those behind jostle and elbow to force their way to the front. The crowd seems to swell and sway like an ocean sea, and then suddenly from behind, an unknown hand reaches out and grabs a bottle. 
It splinters its fragments behind Beatz's head, the liquid spreading and running like blood on the wall. As though the bursting bottle is a secret prearranged signal, bedlam breaks loose. Knives are drawn, oaths and vile curses snarl upon the air. Tables crash and crumble beneath the weight of fighting men. Bottles fall and smash, leaving their slippery smears upon the dirty floor. There is no reason for the fight except that the scream has loosened their lust to kill and destroy. Terrified, Kitty crouches in a corner watching the destruction of material and men. And somewhere amongst this screaming, cursing tangle of arms and legs and bodies is Diaz. For he was the first drawn into the fight. In the distance, safe from harm, stands Bowlegged Jobson, alternatively wringing his hands and tearing his hair at the destruction of his tavern. Then, when there are no more tables, chairs, or bottles to be broken, and only a few heads left to crack, it all stops. As suddenly as it again. And those who are able to walk go roistering out into the night, taking with them a badly beaten but still conscious Diaz. Litter and complete destruction is left inside, and amongst the wreckage lie the dead and the wounded. The blood from their wounds mingles with the liquor on the floor. White and shaken, unable to believe that she has not been harmed, Kitty comes from the corner. Almost bereft of speech, Bowlegger Jobson looks at her, claps his hands. Two black slaves come out from the rear of the tavern and stand beside him, their eyes wide as they stare on the carnage. Oh, Irish witch, look what you've done. No, Mr. Johnson, it wasn't my fault. Look at the destruction your fine airs and graces have brought. You were in this tavern to amuse my customers. First of all, you run away for a night, and then you stand them and incite them to destroy. You must be taught that you are no better than a black slave. Oh, not another whipping, please. The beauty of Kitty and fear would move any man, except the one whose possessions are destroyed. With a nod to the two Negroes, Jobson leaves. In the small, square, box-littered, rubbish-filled yard at the back of the Dolphin Tavern, the flaming torches stuck in brackets around the stone walls cast a yellow, swinging light over a barbaric scene. Kitty, her back bare and showing in this strange light an ugly crisscross of rising red wheels, has her wrists lashed high above her head to a pole. One of the black slaves is coiling a thin, long black whip while his companion examines their handiwork. He is proud of it. No skin has been broken. To do that would endanger his own skin. For Jobson knows that Kitty's greatest value lies in her unblemished loveliness. With a sharp knife, he cuts her from the pole. And without another look, they both leave her sobbing upon the ground. News of wars, riots, and rebels travels fast, and the cause of the evening's disturbance soon reaches the flying gull and is learned of by Hunter. He waits, watching the bedraggled, bruised men come aboard, looking for one man in particular. No, don't go aboard yet, Diaz. Everyone no word with you tonight, Hunter. We are not going to have many words. Now, leave me be. Can't you see? I've had enough tonight. I can hardly walk. I, I want to get aboard ship and get some rest. You will never go aboard the flying gull again, Diaz. I've heard about your little exploit tonight, and it's time you learned that when a woman tells you to leave her alone, she means it. And as you have not learned that lesson yet, then you will now. I'm going about the ship. You'll just try and stop me. I will. No! And if you can't swim now, it's time for you to learn. It is right glad I am to see you, Geoffrey. 
But what are you doing here at the Dawson Tavern at this time of day? I've come to see you, of course. You have? Oh, Jeffrey, grand to hear you say that. I heard about the affair of last night. Oh, look at the tavern. They wrecked it. It was just an excuse for them to have a fight among themselves, and I got the blame for it. You won't be having any more trouble from Diaz, Kitty. Unless he can swim, he's been drowned in the harbor of Port Royal. Why, how do you mean? I uh, hit him rather hard when he came back to the ship last night, and he, he tumbled over the quayside. You won't need to worry about him anymore. Oh, don't touch my shoulder, Jeffrey, please. Why, what's this? I see long, thin, black bruises. Oh, bow-legged Jobson. He blamed me for last night, and I got another whipping. His two black slaves are very expert with the whip. He had you beaten by two black slaves? Yes. What is this world we live in where men are able to treat women and their fellow men like cattle beasts of the field? Oh, he has every right to treat me as he will. You see, I'm only a convict servant, no better than a slave. I'm his property. I belong to him. What a vile system this is. How can I get you away from here? Oh, you're very sweet. But you'd have to buy me. And my price would be too high, that I know. Far too high for even you to do it. No, just come and see me and, and let me be near you sometimes, Jeffrey, and I can put up with anything else. You've been so good to me, Kitty. I I would like to do more than that. You can't. There's nothing you can do. And, and now, Jeffrey, you'd better go. There's all this mess and I've, I've got to get it cleaned up. All right, Kitty. And I'll be back tonight to see you. Sir Thomas, that you and Mademoiselle Antoinette are paying me a visit aboard the Flying Gull. I will be brief and to the point. I've just come back from the assembly, Morgan. Oh, indeed, yes. The affair at the Dolphin Tavern last night. Um, members of the assembly are very upset. I understand that one of your men started all the trouble. Mm, yes, so I have heard. Well, I want to give you warning, Morgan. The assembly is thinking of closing the Dolphin Tavern. It has an unsavory reputation and... Last night's exhibition almost closed its doors for good. Now, should there be any further disturbance in their quarter, the Dolphin Tavern will close. So warn your men, Morgan. I shall. And have no fears, the man who was responsible has been dealt with by my Mr. Hunter. He will not come aboard this ship again. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Come, Antoinette. I must hurry to keep an appointment. Goodbye, Captain Morgan. Oh, you have not forgotten our dinner appointment. Not at all, mademoiselle. Allow me to accompany you to the quayside. Thank you. And tell me, Captain, have you managed to persuade Mr. Hunter to come with you to dinner? Well, to tell the truth, I've not tried again. But if you really want to see him, uh, well, I'll see if I can persuade him to come. I really would like you to, Captain Morgan. Oh, look, Uncle Thomas, he has gone on ahead. I must hurry and catch him up. See, he is waiting for me in the carriage. I hope to see you with Mr. Hunter at our dining table before very long. Goodbye, Captain Morgan. Goodbye, mademoiselle. Not so quickly, please. Oh, who are you lurking in the shadow of that building? I have been watching you, mademoiselle Antoinette Belize. I know I've seen you somewhere before. And now I know where it was. <laughs> All of Delaunay's plans are in danger if Dietz really knows her identity. Hear the sequel of this meeting in the next episode of A Float with Henry Morgan.
Afloat with Henry Morgan. Afloat with Henry Morgan, written for radio by Warren Barry and a George Edwards production. When Kitty tells Dietz that she is in love with Geoffrey Hunter and wishes to have nothing more to do with him, Dietz threatens to buy her from Bowlegged Jobson and thus have her as his possession. His treatment of Kitty causes a riot in the Dolphin Tavern, and the men strew the place with wreckage. When Hunter hears of the incident, he knocks Dietz into the harbour, warning him not to come aboard again. The next day, the Governor, Sir Thomas Modford, tells Morgan that should another Dolphin Tavern incident occur, the authorities will close the place. He leaves the flying gull, followed by Dolores. On the way, she is stopped by Dietz, who has been lurking in the shadow of a building. He tells her that he has recognised her. How dare you stop and speak to me? Not so fast. First, I want to know what you do here in Jamaica. You are making a mistake. May I remind you, man, that I am Antoinette de Lacy, kinswoman of the governor of Jamaica, Sir Thomas Mottford. I'm not making a mistake. Your name is not Antoinette de Lacy, it is Dolores Pizarro. <laughs> when you came aboard the ship, the flying gull, I looked on your face. I knew I had seen you someplace before. And just a little while ago, you came down off the ship, and I remembered... You see, I was in Cuba when you arrived with your father, Don Pietro Pizarro, governor of Cuba, and I saw you leave the ship just like you did a moment ago, and I remembered. You're up to some mischief. You're a Spanish spy. Let me pass, or I will scream for help. You're screaming, I will expose you. Go on, take the risk. Dolores, what is keeping you? We have an appointment. You will meet me tonight just outside the gates of government house and talk to me. Else I tell the governor who you are. I certainly will not meet you. All right, then. Tomorrow I go and see Sir Thomas. Tonight it is to be Senorina Pizarro at nine o'clock. Or else tomorrow I go to the governor. Wait a moment. Ah, who the devil isn't bursting in here like that? I'm sorry, Captain Morgan. I thought you said come in. Well, now the door's open. Come in and shut it. <sighs> I'm glad it's you, Hunter, and nobody else. Why, Captain? What's wrong? You've caught me at my secret cupboard. See a sliding panel in the wall? Until this moment, I'm the only person on the ship who knows of its existence. I'm sorry, Captain. It doesn't matter so much you knowing of it. You see, I trust you, lad. Sometimes your trust in me worries me. It's a great responsibility. I know an honest man, and I see one. Look here, Hunter. I'll show you what I keep in the cupboard. My choicest loot of all my bucketing days. Take a look at that ruby. See the fire of it? How it catches the light and glows like Hades. And yet it's so cool. <laughs> like the heart of some woman. Look you at these sapphires. Look at their blue like the Pacific Ocean on a summer's day took that little lot off the mayor of a coastal town I once sacked. <laughs> now I made him squeal before he'd tell me where he'd hidden them. And look, you hunter, my biggest prize of all, the Aztec necklace. You've never held it in your hands long enough to take a good look at it. Hold it now. Beautifully fashioned by hand long since dead and crumbled to dust. Tell me, Captain Morgan... How much is the ransom of a bonded servant? Eh? Uh, what's that? I want to talk to you, Captain. 
You better put those jewels away in your cupboard and close the secret door. Well, now, uh, what's troubling you, lad? What is the price of a bonded servant? Hmm, that depends. Some are cheap if they're old and bent and ugly. Kitty's price is far above what you've got. Kitty? How know you I was speaking of Kitty? There's not much that goes on in Port Royal that doesn't come to the ears of Captain Henry Morgan. Look, you lad. I talked before to you about that wench. She isn't for the likes of you. Why, there's not a man aboard the ship who'd not like the price to buy her from Bowlegger Jobson. And she knows it, too. I only want to know what her price would be. Well, um, that is hard to estimate. You'd best ask Bowlegger Jobson. You see, Kitty's rather a special case. It is Kitty that makes the Dolphin Tavern far and above the other Quayside Taverns, as far as customers is concerned. When do we sail on the next expedition? Oh, so you think you'll make enough out of buccaneering, do you? We all get a share, don't we? Sure. But many take part in my expeditions, and there are many to share the proceeds amongst. You'd best forget, Kitty. Oh, I know that you've taken her eye, and I know that although you had no hand in the actual riot at the tavern, it was started through you. Forget Kitty, Hunter. She's poisoned to a man like you. She'll wreck your life. I come. And what place could be nicer? Hey, Kitty, I'm I'm going to talk to you. Aren't you serious you're going to be? I don't want to be serious with you. I want to tell you how much I love you. No, Kitty. But no. I do. All my life's been changed. Whereas before, life was just the sun getting up and the sun setting and serving loud mouth cursing men with their drinks. Now it's all changed. There's a song in my heart and it sings all day. I love Jeffrey. Kitty, please, I want to talk to you. Why is it that after the life I've led... You should come so suddenly into my life and, and I'd fall in love with you. You're not in love with me, Kitty. It, it's only because I'm a little different from the other men who have come to the Dolphin Town. No, Jeffrey, it isn't that. I know in my own heart the way I feel. If it's possible for a woman to fall in love with a man so that nothing else in the world matters, then that's the way I'd fall in love with you. You have tried to help me, Kitty, and I want so much to help you. It isn't your pity I'm looking for, Jeffrey. I want to get you away out of this place. I want you to be free. Forever from the humiliation of being worked as a slave. I would like you to be free forever from the demands of every coarse, brutal sailor who shouts at you for his drinks. And what you ask is impossible. That could only come about by someone buying my freedom. There must be some other way. How long have you been in Port Royal, Kitty? <laughs> Seems like a lifetime, but I guess it's nigh on two years. For how long is your sentence? If you think I can work my way to my freedom, you're mistaken. I was sent out here for life. What did you do? I got two convictions, both for the same thing. It must have been serious crimes. Aye. Serious to the man who owned the bread. Have you ever been hungry in a strange city? Been without friends? Yes, I, I know you've been without friends. I was forgetting for the moment. But have you ever been hungry? Really hungry? When your whole inside craves out for food? No. I was alone in England. I'd not come from Ireland long, and I was hungry. And the baker's basket was standing on the pavement. I couldn't help myself. My hand went out and I took a loaf, but I was not quick enough. The baker came back and he caught me. 
He sent me to Nougat for two years. For stealing a loaf of bread. And when I came out of jail, I was still as hungry as I was before I went in. And I thought this time I'd be cunning. When I saw another basket of freshly baked bread, I waited until the baker disappeared out of sight. And then I helped myself. But someone else saw me and gave me in charge. Already I had one conviction and not been long out of jail, so... So they sentenced me to Jamaica for life. Such barbaric injustice should be allowed. What are these times we're living in? And when I came out here, I didn't care what happened. Four-legged Jobson took me as his possession. Well, I didn't care. I knew what I was. Just like cattle in the field. So, I just let me fancy play where it would. How was I to know that, that I'd meet you, Jeffrey, and, and that I'd regret what I'd done in the past two years? Jeffrey, you've not kissed me yet. I came here today to talk to you to try and help you, Kitty. Well, tis helping me you'll be by, by kissing me. Don't you understand? It's wrong I should kiss you like this. But how can it be wrong? We're really alike. Your past is all behind you, and your future doesn't promise much. Just let's be happy. The past hanging on to you, and, and that's why you hesitated to kiss me. Let me make you realize that you can never regain what you've lost. And the future's only what you're going to make of it. Waiting. Oh, will you give me a start? I didn't see you standing there in the shadows. Hmm. Say, so I thought it wise to keep our appointment, Senorina Pizarro, eh? You do not understand. You are making a mistake. A mistake, is it? Yet you come secretly to meet me because you are frightened that I'll go to the governor and tell him the truth about you. How is it that you are masquerading as Antoinette de Lacy? What has happened to the real woman? I might ask you the same question. What are you, a Spaniard, doing here in Port Royal? I owe allegiance to no country. I just work for myself. How much money do you want to go away and never worry me again? So I admit you are an imposter. I have admitted nothing. But I do not want you pestering me. I will tell you something, eh? It is quite true that the English ship, the Elizabeth Ann, was captured by the Spanish. It is quite true Mademoiselle de Lacy was aboard her and she was taken to Cuba, yes. And there you learned that the governor had never seen the mademoiselle, and so you came to Port Royal in her stead. For what purpose, eh? You tell me. We come from the same country. Maybe we could help each other, eh? I will give you any money that you want if you go away and never worry me again. So you are up to some mischief, Senorina Pizarro, eh? Don't call me that, please. I owe no allegiance to the English. Do you think you, a mere woman, can add with them? Now, you pay me well. Maybe I help you in some way, eh? I can be loyal to you. Because at the moment I hate the English. And Morgan included. Morgan? So he is your enemy, eh? Listen, maybe you can help me a lot. An unholy alliance is about to be made, which could mean disaster to Jeffrey, Kitty, and Captain Morgan. Listen to the next episode of A Float with Henry Morgan.
Float with Henry Morgan was produced and starred George Edwards, a well-known Australian actor. The show was produced for the BBC. Warren Berry wrote the program. The story is told in 50, 52 15-minute episodes. Famed for his exploits on what was known as the Spanish Main, today called South America, Henry Morgan, a real historical figure, seemed larger than life. Morgan was a pirate, but he had a colorful career in which he was also a privateer, at times an admiral, admiral, a general, a country gentleman, and a planter, a judge of the court of, vice, of the vice-admiralty, governor, and knight. To sum up his career, if you had any money, he found a way to get it. This story is set in the Spanish Main and features a stolen Aztec necklace, lots of pirates, coups, plots, counterplots, beautiful women, and a few double crosses thrown in. It truly is adventure on the high seas. If you like this episode and want more of A Float with Henry Morgan, then find us on Facebook where we have a link for you to download an entire CD's worth of episodes for only a dime. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next week.